This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. Are you uncomfortable talking about money? Do you dread having to have that conversation about compensation? Does just thinking about a job offer, a promotion, or a raise make you cringe? Maybe you're unsure how to ask or when to ask or specifically what to ask for. Well, here's the one thing I want every listener to hear and know. You are not alone. Most people, especially women, find it really difficult to negotiate compensation. Women are actually great at negotiating, just not when it comes to negotiating for ourselves. A 2021 study from a university in Germany found that women excelled in negotiating when they were negotiating for something or someone else. A recent study by Forbes found that women have a unique set of strengths that we bring to the negotiating table. We're better at problem solving, we're more empathetic, we're collaborative, and we're viewed as being more ethical and less confrontational. So what this tells us as women is if we try and use typical masculine strategies to negotiate, strategies that reflect what society believes are acceptable behavior, we're going to experience a backlash, we'll be viewed as not likable. And this holds true for all women, and especially for women of color. So what can we do as women to overcome this double bind? What can we do to reach pay parity? What can we do to achieve our fair market value? Well, my guest today is an expert on this topic. Mandy Woodruff is the founder of Mandy Moneymakers. She's the host of the award-winning broadcast, Brown Ambition, and she teaches a masterclass, Nail Your Negotiation, Five Steps to Negotiate Like a Badass and Never Leave Money on the Table Again. Mandy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. I was nodding my head vigorously while you were speaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you identify this? You know, how when did this problem become your mission? Well, I mean, it was my personal mission first. Unlike some of those statistics, I never really had trouble advocating for myself. Um, I always had this drive to get paid my value. And I think it came because as a, I got my start as a journalist, I was covering business and personal wow. finance in the wake of the Great Recession. And you only have to read so many statistics about what it's like for a black woman during a recession, you know, with a college degree out there, and it wasn't looking great. And so I sort of gave myself this pep talk of, you can't control the economy, you can't control people's bias against you, but you can at least ask for more. And you can at least try to make up for these, these factors working against you by learning how to be a bit more brave and to get over that, um, to get over that little hump, that doubt that stops someone from asking. 
And yeah, so I, I had a great career as a journalist and then I became a senior director in content marketing, managing a big team. I love being a manager, developing a team, learned so much for the five years I was doing that and always sort of had my creative outlet at Brown Ambition where we got to speak to our audience, which is largely women of color. And I just became the career girly. I was working in corporate America and negotiating. And when I did the math and I realized what negotiating and quitting in tandem had done for me and my finances and my career, I was like, I gotta tell people about this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, career coaching sort of came naturally from there. It's so interesting that uh, you mentioned the internal challenge, which is the fear factor, and there's mm -hmm. all of the external challenges. But what I love about what you just shared is that you had that practical experience. And when you saw the data, you were like, uh, -uh oh, no, we got to change this. This is not acceptable. And then you realized, uh, you know, so many women needed support and help. To, oh, yeah. to really just negotiate. So let's go back to the internal challenges and that uh, one of the biases is the likability bias. And if mm -hmm. I ask, I'll be seen as being ungrateful. Uh, I won't be liked. How do you help women get past that big internal hurdle? I think that when you get stuck on being likable, you are focusing on like, you're focusing on things that don't really exist and you can't really control someone's perception of you. And I think it's also avoiding just getting down to the nitty gritty. And what I like to do is face that fear with facts. So forget about being likable. You don't have to be likable to deserve a promotion or a raise or the pay that you deserve. What we need to do is sit down and look at the facts of your experience of, um, how many years you've been doing what you're doing, what you're bringing to the table. And when I sit with women and I literally walk through their LinkedIn profile with them or their resume, stacking up accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment, you know, you can see them start to just the just start to sink in. You know how like sometimes when rainwater hits the earth, it doesn't quite sink in. And I think that's how a lot of women are with our accomplishments. It just doesn't, we don't soak it in. And so I do a lot of work with like mindset around that and reminding women, you actually are a badass. This is not about, you know, <laughs> this is not, you shouldn't have to beg for this. You need to just make it clear what your value is. And I think what's uncomfortable also, many things are uncomfortable about it, but in the workplace, we can't rely on our managers to always see our value and to always like, if you're waiting for that tap on the shoulder, you think that's how it happens you, I've just noticed how hard you're working and I want to give you more money. That rarely is the case. We have to advocate for ourselves. That is so essential in the corporate environment. If you can't spring to the speak to the value, skills and strengths and expertise you bring to the table, no one else can or will do that for you. And yet when you're able to say, I generated X amount of money, I saved X amount of money, I created this workflow that saved time, created greater efficiencies, people start yeah. to go, oh, right. Yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. And then it it's becomes part of your, yeah, it becomes part of your narrative. So in terms of um, becoming a badass, I, I love that. It's so, <laughs> it's so transformative. Tell me mm -hmm. what, how did Mandy Moneymakers actually start when you, right. you woke up one morning and you said, I got to do this? What were your first <laughs> steps? 
Uh, that's such a wonderful time to be talking about Mandy Moneymakers, which is the career coaching and leadership development community that I founded because almost exactly a year ago is when I founded it. I had my first cohort join and I was just, I had a group coaching session last night and I, I'm not so good at dates. And I was like, wait a second, it's been a year. Well, we should be having a party or something. But a year ago where I was is I had six months before that left corporate America and I had told myself, this is why you've been investing and saving. So you have a financial safety net where you can take time off and figure out what you want to do next. And one of the things that I did the summer prior was I went on my IG page and it was, you know, I had my little, my little following, my some small followers from the podcast. And I said, Hey, I'm interested in giving free half hour career coaching sessions. Who wants to chat with me? And I had 200 women sign up more than 200 and I was doing free career coaching sessions through the end of the year into January and it was through those conversations now I'm not saying everyone has to give away services for free when you start a business mm -hmm. but I, mm -hmm. I genuinely wanted to see if I was good at it I didn't know I could have been a horrible career coach but the impact was so apparent to me the feedback was so wonderful and what I heard time and time again from women especially women of color was how isolated we felt. We're often one of few, if not the only ones in our department, the higher and higher you get, the, the maler, the paler it gets, and you start to feel in that, and we're, we're used to it. You know, I went to a majority white institution through college, a huge state school. I'm so used to being in white spaces. I'm half white, my mom is white. So we, we have to do that as a minority, we have to get used to it, but it takes a toll. And what I kept hearing was this sense of loneliness and, when you're trying to be more ambitious and, and expect more out of your career, you need support and you want cheerleaders and an echo chamber of this is possible and I'm doing it too. And so when I went about the next stage of my business, I said, I don't just want to do individual coaching. I want to bring those women together. So Mandy Moneymakers is a community of women, largely women of color. We got, we got a guy in there. I was <laughs> excited about that. Um, and yeah, we, we create a safe space to talk about negotiating career you know, career goals, financial goals, all of it in one place. And it's so, it's incredibly special. That's so interesting that you mentioned this idea of creating a circle of support, because mm -hmm. that's the ability to acknowledge and validate, hey, we've got these challenges that white men, let me just call it out, don't seem to have. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is women have such a hard time finding and cultivating sponsors and mentors. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking with your group, and I love the fact that you're doing group coaching, I think that's really incredible because the energy of a group can be so empowering. But how do you address that issue of here's how you can find a mentor, here's how you can find a sponsor, here's how you can learn more from someone who's a really awesome negotiator? How do you address that? You know, I address it head on. I am a black woman in America and we are just, we're like a double minority, you know? Right. And one of the toughest conversations that I have through Mandy Moneymakers, and I do a whole lesson around, um, around building a personal advisory board and in that conversation talking about mentors and sponsors and the difference. And I'm very frank with them, like as a minority, if you're waiting to find mentorship and sponsorship from someone who looks just like you, you are going to be waiting a longer time. And the reality of our situation is that most of the senior leaders who can make an impact on our careers do not look like us. You know, they're white men, white women, and we need to be open to building those relationships. And I'd speak frankly and candidly about how one of my sponsors through my career who gave me my first job as 
a senior leader, um, plucked me from a, my journalist role as a writer and said, hey, I see you can do stuff. And it was a white man and he became really um, a sponsor to me. It wasn't a formal relationship, but he was the guide and the and the unfortunate uncomfortable truth is that in the spaces that I was moving into fintech highly dominated by white men you know ivy mm -hmm. league educated i could hold my own but having a sponsor who can go into that room and they instantly trust him and they're like yeah right. nick that's my bro right. you can't put a price on that value you know and because nick was pro mandy other people fell in line and I didn't have to fight so hard to get respected. And I didn't have to fight so hard to be seen as valuable because Nick made it very clear that he valued me. Um, so there's so much power in sponsorship and mentorship. And what I tell Mammy and D moneymakers and anyone is that if you want to find a sponsor and mentorship, show up where they're showing up. You know, where are the leaders in your space? Maybe it's conferences, workshops, you know, LinkedIn, you want to be in their orbit and not just show up like to stalk them. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, be in a space where you can show, like demonstrate your work in that, in that maybe you're speaking at a conference or you're at a panel or you are sharing on LinkedIn your excellent work and you're connecting with them because they will like, you'll stick with them and they'll be more likely to engage with you if you were to reach out for them at that point. And that's the toughest part for women is like, putting yourself in their orbit, putting yourself in their path. Right, exactly. Well, I think that there's that feeling of, oh, I can't ask, I don't deserve to ask. But as mm -hmm. women, we're naturally wanting to create a connection and we also naturally wanna help. So yeah. I think when we flip that narrative on its head and we say, oh, um, I see you as an expert, I, I want your opinion, and mm -hmm. how can I support what you're doing? You know, whatever it might be. Um, I know that one of the <laughs> first mentors I ever had, I worked in television and I screened tapes for her. I logged and screened <laughs> tapes. And so, you know, whatever it is. So I wanna encourage everybody listening. Yeah, it is difficult, but go from a place of being helpful and supportive mm -hmm. and let them know you see them as an expert and you will be able to cultivate mentors. So let me take a little bit of a left turn here. We talked about the internal challenge. Let's talk about the external challenge because we know we can control or have some impact on internal challenges, but how do we impact external challenges? Yeah, I mean, let's just think about some of the external challenges when it comes to navigating your career. I mean, right now, the one that I think of more than anything is the economy and the fact that there's this recession looming over us and businesses are literally making plans to, you know, lay off people. And we've seen a lot of that in tech. I will caveat that with the job market is still hot, like things are still right. going really right. well. Um, largely wages are increasing. People are still quitting at relatively high rates. You know, all of that is happening, but the fear is there. And I think it's, it opens up a great conversation for me. And one of the key strategies I teach as a career coach is not seeking or expecting stability from your job, but building a resilient career instead. And so my methods and strategies help ensure that you can't control if someone's going to lay you off. I've been let go in, over my career. I think it'll happen to the majority of us, but you can control how strong is your network? What Do people associate you with excellent work? Do you have a strong niche where people are like, that's my girl, that's you know the person to go to for that? Um, are you a good colleague so that peers potentially can lead you to your next opportunity? So 
excuse me, career resiliency really can help you bounce back from setbacks. And you can't get too loyal or too tied to the idea of your identity in one job, because it's just not likely that you're going to stay there forever. It's just not like how it used to be, you know? It is not the reality today. And you're absolutely right. No one is going to manage your career. You have to manage it yourself. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about managing mindset, but definitely managing your manager, managing senior management, and having a career plan. And part of having a plan is being able to negotiate that next mm -hmm. role and having some idea about where you want to go. You may not know exactly the company, but to your point, you do understand has uh, someone who's looking for a job because you mentioned, you know, you've been let go. God, that's happened to me twice in a 25 year career with downsizing. You have mm -hmm. to have a real clear idea about the skills, the expertise and experience you bring to the table. Um, let's talk a little bit about research in terms of identifying what fair market value is, because I know there are so many uh, studies and so many websites popping up now that list by market, by industry, by title, by years of experience. Um, when you go into a meeting, for anyone going into a meeting, talking about compensation, what kind of data would you suggest yeah. that person have on hand? I'm a fan of the salary website. So your pay scales, your glass doors, your, you know, that's great. It's a, it's a piece of data, but it can't be the right. whole picture. Right. One of, and I, and I, and I liken it to being a homeowner and I don't, I'm sitting in my home right now and I can tell you what Zillow thinks the home is worth, but right. that's just one piece of data. And it's sort of based on whatever math they're using. But what my house, what my house is really worth is what someone today you know, at 2 p.m. Eastern in in New York wants to pay for it. And so how do you get that kind of data, your own your own personal appraisal? The, my favorite way, hands down, is taking job interviews and being appraised by the market itself, like putting yourself in a position where recruiters can tell you what they're offering for roles, you know, with your expertise right now, where hiring managers can tell you um, where you're getting to an offer stage and you're seeing what kind of offers out there. And that's the detriment. So if you're, and I'm not dogging anyone who wants to stay in a job for a long time. The longest I spent in one place was six years, which for me was a long time. You know, <laughs> I quit six times in 10 years. So it was quite a time. And when I was there, I wasn't not taking interviews. I always was taking interviews because I wanted to be sure I wanted to be keep tabs on what the marketplace was telling me about my value. And it only made me more confident in staying because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is pretty much good salary for what I'm, you know, for the marketplace. And so I would always encourage women to take those interviews and not just apply for jobs. It's a full time job to apply for jobs. It's stressful. But if you are building a strong brand online on LinkedIn, especially, you're right. more likely to just get like indirect messages like passive job searching is my favorite where you're just being yourself and recruiters are like, we think you'd be a great fit. So they reach out to you. So you're getting interview requests semi-regularly. And that can, of course, give you the data that makes you aware of your real value. Uh, one thing you had mentioned earlier was 
how as women, we sometimes have a tendency to not really acknowledge our accomplishments. And so that leads to having a LinkedIn profile that's not that compelling, that doesn't really list what we've (laughs) actually done. I know you work a lot with branding your clients. How do you start that process? You said, you know, you have them write the list of everything they've done, but then actually creating that LinkedIn profile that catches the recruiter's eyes. What are some of the important components of that? Well, the first thing I look at, because I think I'm, you know, from my journalism background is the headline. So beneath your name, there's a space for your, I call it a tagline. And what Mm -hmm. I see more often is people are just putting the job they have now. So I'm a software engineer at Apple. But what I like to put there is what's your what's your tagline for your for yourself as a professional? You know, are you a software engineer at a specific company or are you a you know software engineer with 20 years of experience in the fintech specific, be specific to your niche field, um, you know, passionate about product management or whatever it is. And you want to work in some keywords that are going to attract your next opportunity. So that's why it's important to know where you want to go next, because then you can sort of like frame yourself in the best light from that point. And then you mentioned earlier a keyword, which is impact. So going through your LinkedIn page, and it's, it's not just enough to have Sometimes it is. Sometimes people are just searching for brand names they recognize. Oh, they worked at Apple. Cool. I recognize that. They got to be qualified. But not always the case, right? So if if they're digging deeper into your work, I would highlight what was your impact in that role. So don't just list duties and responsibilities. Like because you did your duties, what was the result, you know, right. and tell that story on your LinkedIn page. And that's the, those are the two, maybe three things that are really that really stand out to me when I'm going over someone's LinkedIn page. And the last thing is engaging. Like, are you, are you posting ideas? Are you sharing stories? Are you liking and commenting with your colleagues, you know, your peers posts and having a presence? I have had job opportunities come to me just because I posted something and there, and it reminds people you exist. It's so simple. And the world is so noisy. You can't bet that someone's just going to remember that post you did three months ago. Like show up in people's feed so they think of you. Yeah, this is true for every aspect of career management is being consistent and being in those places where people will see you. Um, There Mm -hmm. is a uh, career coach who wrote a book. Her name is Bonnie Marcus. She wrote a book called The politics of promotion. And one of the things that she espouses in the book is that you focus on the job between 60, 65%. You focus on your career 30 to 35% of your time. So if you're talking to any of your clients, any anyone who's in your mastermind, and they're like, I just want to do my job. How do you get them over that hump of part of your job is to make sure you have career longevity, and that you manage your career? How do you how do you change that mindset with money, Lisa? I got to bring it like I got to show them how much money they're leaving on the table because they just want to yes. sit at their desk and do their job. Yes. Honestly, by the time someone comes to me for coaching, they know something's not working out. Like they are not where they want to be in their earnings. They're seeing friends and you know peers move on to new opportunities to get juicy job offers, and they're starting to look around and the dust is settling on their desk. And you know it's like they've gotten their ten-year service award and a gift card to Applebee's, and they're like, "Is this what I've been working for all these years?" You know, and so at the point they're coming to me, they know something is wrong, and it's sort of that thing where you get a personal trainer and you know they're going to tell you to 
you know, work out and maybe watch what you're eating. Uh, but you need that coach. You need someone to hold you accountable. And that for me is the conversation around networking and putting yourself out there and coaching that whole, I literally have sat there and I'll do it for clients who I can tell are not actually going to do what I'm telling them to do. I'm like, I'm going to sit here and drink my tea. The clock is ticking. You're paying for this session. I'm going to watch you write this email. I'm going to watch you. I'm going to watch you as you write this LinkedIn post that we've been talking about because they need that little push, you know? Yeah. There, there is that question of how do you want to be held accountable? And sometimes, you know, what I'm hearing and what, in the way you coach, and I've, I've followed you online and I, you know, I was on your LinkedIn page. You inspire, you inspire and motivate, and that's leadership. You're not being didactic and going do X, Y, Z. I, I hear from what is not being said that you understand everyone's an individual, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses, but with these, there's a collective theme here of, I'm not comfortable speaking about myself. Oh, wow, I have all these accomplishments. I didn't even realize, are they accomplishments? Can everybody do this? I mean, yeah. there's those internal challenges and to hold someone accountable. And I love the fact that you're saying, okay, I'm gonna drink my tea. Go ahead and write that email. Go ahead and let me look at your LinkedIn profile. Let's, let's yeah. get this done. So underneath it all, what really is your primary motivation? Is pay Ugh. equity? I don't yeah, even tell think me that big. I don't even think the it, my my mission is just to make an impact in the way that I can in the circle that I can, and if that gets wider and wider, my reach and all the better. But if I can help one woman a day, I mean, have the confidence. I just was helping a woman um, who was negotiating a couple of different negotiating uh, interviews with two different companies, and I was mm -hmm. giving her the words that she needed to type an email to follow up. And seeing her eyes light up with like, yeah, I can say that. I'm like, yes, you can say that. That's so rewarding to me. And I, I see myself as, a, as someone who, yes, I, my job is to see other people win and um, to give them that boost of confidence and encouragement that they need. And especially as women of color, like you're so downtrodden. <laughs> There's so many reasons yeah. for us to be pessimistic and glass half empty and, and hey, like, right. There's plenty of reasons for that, and it's fine if that's if you're feeling. And we all have those moments where it gets all too much, and it's heavy, and it weighs you down. Um, but I choose to bring optimism, as I say, to the cookout. Um, I choose to to let people dream and to give them permission to think big. And life, the society teaches you as a black woman from the time you're born that your dreams are too small or to have to stay small or, you know, be grateful for what you've got. And I, and I know this applies to many women as, as well. And I just rebuke that. And so, yeah, my sole mission is to inspire, like you said, and to lead people to be the best versions of themselves in their own career. Um, and that will lead them to greater financial success as well, because I truly believe we can't afford to wait for pay equity to be solved. We can only control our own pay, right? So if I can work on an individual basis with people, they can get their own version of pay equity. And then I think I'm moving the needle in my little way. Mandy, I want to ask you about a really practical tool that you offer because so many times people are, yeah, I want to make more money. I want that better job. I want to be seen, heard, and understood. And I just don't know how to communicate it in a way that is going to land. I noticed, um, because I'm on social media, I know you are too, and I noticed you gave this really great training, uh, just a short 
rich nugget about what to say to a recruiter when they say to you, what's your salary range? Could you yeah. just talk about that? Because you, it's, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. <laughs> you know how it's like people ask you the same question a million times and you're like, I'm just going to write it down and give it to everybody. And I'm still going to get the question. But that became, I mean, it is one of the most common questions I, I, I get is what do I say when they ask for my range? I don't want to undersell myself. And it is the tripwire of recruiter questions that I believe has proliferated the pay equity gap for as long as it has. Because especially as women and women of color, we are typically undervalued, underpaid. So when we base our salary expectations on where we've been already, we're just going to keep that. We're going to keep ourselves low. You know what I mean? Right. right. And so, yeah. So in terms of scripts, it was something that I thought, like you said, a little rich nugget. What can I actually say that people will be able to take a screenshot of or copy and paste, put it in their back pocket and they know what to say next time. So I'm equipping them with a tool. I'm all about like giving people a tool that they can literally like tuck away and they can bring it out and it can make a difference. So I have all kinds of scripts for negotiating and, and I'm always coming up with new ideas because people are saying, well, they said this and well, what about that? And what, you know, what if I'm in this field and I try to think of different scenarios and it's, it's so fun. Cause like, I, you know, I was a 10 year old who used to want to write children's books and, you know, write mm. dialogue. And now I'm just writing dialogue for working women across the country and giving them a script that they can use. Why not? Well, I love the fact that you're using all of your skill sets. Obviously, you're an excellent writer, but writing doesn't always translate into conversation. And mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have those tools because not everybody is strong in all things. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, negotiating makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. And with recruiters, they're on a script. So why can't yeah. job seekers be on a script too? It also stops us from overqualifying requests. You know, I think as women, and I, I even find myself, I'll be much more succinct when I'm writing something out than when I'm just like, here's what you should say. And I'm kind of adding in, well, you know, I'm concerned about, or I was just thinking that, or, you know, so you add all these extra words that dilute the core question or the core message. So I like to just get to the point and um, you don't have to add in a bunch of qualifications or, you know, apologize for asking and all that stuff. Like, let's just give you the words. And what's fun is seeing people realize that's it. Like you can just say, <laughs> do you have a sign on bonus? Yeah, that's all you have to say. And as a hiring manager, I know what I'm talking about because I was on both sides of that conversation and I know what's reasonable to ask and not reasonable. And um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And it is about tone too. Um, I had heard another conversation and the tone was really off-putting. And it's just so interesting if you say, do you have a hiring bonus versus is there a hiring bonus? And it's just the yeah. inflection, same words, just yeah. the inflection. It's, it's, I just find it fascinating. Um, let's take another left turn. Uh, knowing what you know now, having had a successful career, having uh, as a journalist, a successful career before your current successful career, because you were just knocking it out of the park. You really are. Uh, can I mention that you were on the Today Show or you will be shortly? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is awesome. So your message is getting out and reaching many yeah. more people, which I know is one of your missions is to reach as many people as you can. But um, if you could go back and tell your younger self when you first started your career in journalism, some advice, give yourself some advice or some words of wisdom, what would you want to say to yourself? 
Uh, I mean, I started telling myself this midway through my career, but certainly if I could go back, I would just say, take a deep breath and be on your own path. I mean, you, for me, it's this, um, especially with social media now and, and the advent of LinkedIn and all of that, they're great, but they can also get you distracted because you're looking at where everyone else is heading and you're comparing yourself to their course. You're comparing yourself to where they're at in their path. And I was so competitive in school and journalism school. I went to a really tough journalism school and, you know, there was this one particular, uh, peer of mine who was always getting the internships that I wanted. And it felt like I was never going to get a job because they'd always be there taking the jobs for me. And I'd have to move to New York to find a job because this person was a star and all that. You know what she's doing today? She opened a bakery in Nashville, Tennessee, and she bakes cakes for a living. Like sometimes the people that, you know, loom over you and, and make you doubt yourself and all of that, everyone's on their own paths, you know, and, and there's going to be space for you. It feels like when you're early in your career, like you're never going to get an opportunity to lead or to manage, but managers and leaders leave themselves and they open up, you know, room. And yeah, so that's a message I would give myself is just follow your own path um, and do it unapologetically and be excited for other people and their successes and spend less time comparing and feeling inadequate. Yeah, we're really talking about the abundant mindset, right? There is enough yeah. for everybody. But sometimes, I mean, let's just acknowledge in a male dominated work environment, there's that idea of there can only be room for one. And mm-hmm. you got to push them out of the way if you're going to step into that position, uh, which is why I think it's so important we get greater diversity in senior management and senior leadership to change that mindset. Um, let me ask you about your favorite go-to tool when you're working with your mastermind group. Is there a theme that you've seen repeatedly and you've got a go-to tool that you go, okay, this is helpful. This is going to change the mindset. (laughs) I've got a bunch, my goodness. I've got a calculator. (laughs) I mean, I have all these bonuses in my course, so I have the lessons, but I also have bonuses, which are for me, they're like a way to uh, like to diagnose and solve an acute issue. So for example, Um, A lot of the women I talk to, it's so funny when I do coaching calls, I'm always for the last two minutes in the phone calls, usually when they tell me their big, scary dream that they've been afraid to tell me. And I'm like, ah, we only have two minutes left. And often it's like, I would like to start my own business, start a consulting firm. I'm not sure where to start. And so I, I, for example, I have a, um, a short, uh, like a 30 minute um, lesson in what it's like to have a consulting business on your own and how to actually start it and what tools you can use. And then I've got, um, uh, you know, people want to have, um, they want to be entrepreneurial at their at their companies, you know, create solutions to problems internally to get more recognition for starting new ideas. And, and so I offer um, a lesson on entrepreneurship, which blows people's minds. And it gives them permission to come up with new ideas. You don't have to go out there and be a startup co-founder. You can come up with ideas and be valuable right where you are at work. Um, goodness. Oh, and and thought leadership templates. So giving women um, a blueprint so that when they're going on LinkedIn, or they're wondering what they can talk about, what do I have to say about my industry, I can give them some frameworks, like, you know, here's a template, or here's a idea of a post that you can put on LinkedIn. And um, just making just taking the friction out, whatever can get them away from doubting and just doing a thing. That's what I'm constantly trying to provide. What I love about what you're, well, there's many things I love about what you're doing, but specifically this very practical strategic approach 
to a number of issues that all women face. Do I stay or do I go? Uh, not only how do I ask for that raise or that title or promotion, how do I deal with this environment where I'm seen as someone who doesn't look like every other leader here? Yeah, It's just so practical. And I think that's one of the things that really sets you apart because let's just acknowledge there are many people in this field of how to negotiate and many people in the field, specifically speaking to women, because this mm -hmm. is an issue we're not used to asking for ourselves. Yeah. If listeners wanted to reach out to you, what is the easiest way they could find you? Oh, I'm so easy to find. <laughs> Just search. Yeah, so I'm on social media. You can usually find me at Mandy Money, and it's Mandy with an I. Although I did make the astute, like the strategic move of purchasing the domain for MandyYMoney.com. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm at Mandy Money. It's MandyMoney.com. You can find out my work there. I've got a mailing list. So if you go to MandyMoney.com, you can join that mailing list. And that's where I um, offer career tips throughout the week. And I really, I give a lot of attention to my lovely uh, mailing list subscribers. And um, what else? My podcast, Brown Ambition. We are wherever you can listen to podcasts. And you can check us out, Spotify, iTunes, all of that. It's a, we come out twice a week. And let's just mention it's an award-winning podcast. So obviously yes. you're talking about things that people <laughs> want to hear and need to hear and are looking to hear. Fantastic. So Mandy, um, what's coming up next for you? You're writing a book. Ah, yes, I am. How'd you know that? You've been listening. You've been watching. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have a book proposal that I'm shopping around to agents right now. And um, I'm very excited about that. So yes, hopefully I'll be writing a book. I am also every like six weeks or so I host my signature masterclass. It's free, entirely free. It's called Nail Your Negotiation, as you so kindly pointed out. So if you guys want to know when the next one is, you can go to nailyournegotiation.com and register. It's always a really fun time and tends to fortunately sell out, um, of, even though it's free, you know, we max out the room yeah. and yeah. it's a really fun two hours of just real impactful, hard, like strategies, tools you can use to be a better negotiator tomorrow. And I do a little live Q and A at the end, and I'd love to have y'all if you want to join. That is fantastic. And not only is that a way to like soak up all your wisdom and your strategies and your practical tools and techniques. For anybody who joins Mandy, you can also connect with other people there and build your circle of support, right? A There's, percent. Yeah, that is like such an awesome opportunity. So just uh, say one more time, it's nailyournegotiation.com to register for that. So going forward, uh, five years from now, Paint the picture of where you'd like to see women of color earning an appropriate salary. If you actually had the magic wand, yeah, equitable pay, equal pay, right? Um, yeah, of, of course you'd want um, equitable pay. And also just, I, I feel like it's all born out of opportunities. So for mm -hmm. me, it's, mm -hmm. it's about the root cause of what's holding us back from getting paid. And I think it's about opportunities. I wish I could wave a, wave a magic wand and take away unconscious bias, which means when I sit in front of someone and you sit in front of someone, they just think that you're naturally more 
apt and more, you know, be better at the job or more professional or what, or what have you. Um, because it's really holding back women of color when we sit across from a table who people don't look like us and they're looking for someone they connect with and that they that fits their idea of what the version of the role could be. Um, I would love to do that. Uh, maybe I'll spend the next five years inventing that magic wand. Mandy, I want to ask you a question that um, really impacts a lot of women and is, do we need to sacrifice our personal life in order to advance in our careers? Men don't do it. Right. They're not expected to. You know, right. I think that that is, uh, that is a, a question that's being challenged more and more by younger generations. And I'm all about that because we don't want to, you know, that whole debate of can you have it all? And the answer is like, sure, but you can't have it all at one time. And I think that women today, younger women are, have a much healthier expectations of what they want out of their holistic life and that we can redefine what ambition means. And I think there was this trope of like an ambitious woman in movies and TV, you know, she has no friends, she's a shrew, she has no personal life and her family never sees her. And we are redefining that. You can be ambitious and, and be ambitious with um, not just your career, but building a career for yourself where you have time to spend time, be a caregiver. Women are so often caregivers and, you know, whether you want to start a family or you want to travel or you want to have a side business or pursue other passions of your own, that you can have a career that can give you the flexibility where you can facilitate that. And you don't have to be considered any less ambitious than someone who's striving to become a CEO, you know, or if you even are trying to be a CEO, I love the idea of more women in leadership roles, because I believe when we have a seat at that table where we can really call the shots, then we can create a company culture. We can create the flexibility that gives us the opportunity to be a whole human being and to, you know, to have other passions outside of work. So that's what I hope to see more of in the, in the future is us turning that whole, you know, nine to five grind, pay your dues, work 10 times harder than anyone else to be seen as valued and, you know, throw that out the window. Yeah, it does need to be thrown out the window because it's not healthy and it actually holds many women back. Um, so in terms of, uh, we had been talking about taking a step back to move forward. Mm -hmm. Strategically, how do you coach your clients, your group, mastermind to determine when that time is? Well, oftentimes they're starting to feel the, they're starting to feel themselves crack you know, the pressure yeah. is getting, the pressure is getting more intense. And I think sometimes we're just making career choices because of momentum. And right. because we think this is just the next rung on the ladder. So we should be striving for that. And then you get to the top and or wherever you are at that point, And you're like, I don't like it here. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's not what I, I don't want to be managing this huge of a team. I'd rather do a, a small manager management team, or I'd like to be an individual contributor again. You know, and I had the same um, crossroads in my career. I was managing a big team of like, well, relatively 30, 30 staff and a bunch of contractors. And I was good at it. I enjoyed it. But I, I missed being one of one and, and having my own creative space to do things. And that's what I'm doing now. Um, I don't know if I think sometimes we put that label on it's taking a step back. Did I take a step back in my career? No, I, I just I jumped to a whole new ladder, a whole different, you know, exactly. path. Exactly. 
and that's okay. And um, people in my community, especially one who comes to mind, her name is Moya, and she works for a big bank, and she had become an SVP, and her son was diagnosed with a, um, a you know, he needs an extra care now from her, and mm -hmm. it just wasn't working with the demands of her schedule. And she worked with her employer. I love a story of pivoting in place. She worked with her employer to get a job with less responsibility, with somehow more pay. It was awesome, you know. So, and that's okay. She wanted less to do so that she had more to give to her other parts of her life. And I just, yeah, I, I applaud that. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be one or the other where you're either a woman with a career or a woman with a family. And fortunately, there are people like you working in this space saying, hey, there is a way to do this and don't feel guilty about it. So it's so essential. Um, I'd like to ask you, just as we're coming to the close of the hour, if you were going to share one piece of wisdom with everyone listening to this podcast. I know I asked you this question earlier, but if there was one takeaway that you wanted women and the men who are listening to understand from the work that you do, what is that? From the work that I do? Ah, <laughs> um, gosh, that's tough. I think if you're listening to me and you, and I want to leave you with one thought, it's that challenge the way that you have perceived the working women of color in your life challenge the perceptions you have of them challenge your ideas of what they're worth and if you're in a position where you're able to give promotions or raises you know actually look at your team and see who has been given those raises and promotions and is there anything you can do with your power as a manager and a leader to make things right or to make adjustments and certainly look at the number of uh, professionals that you mentor or coach and ask yourself, do they all look like me? And how could I potentially be an ally or offer support to someone else? Um, it's going to make my job a lot easier as a career coach if I'm not constantly coaching women on how to combat those unconscious bias that are, you know, biases that are in our way. So I think if I have people on the other side, management being trained properly to overcome those, those biases and to want the same thing that I want, which is to uplift women of color the same way that you do, Lisa, then everything is going to, like my work will become that much easier and more women of color will have the opportunities that we all deserve. And let's just acknowledge the world will be a better place because we'll have greater diversity and senior leadership and we'll have better solutions for the crises that we are facing at this time in the world. Mandy, just share your contact information one more time. Absolutely. You can find me at mandymoney.com. I'm on Mandy. I'm at Mandy Money on IG and TikTok. So come say hi. I love to hear from people. Um, if you have questions, I try to get to them. Um, but I am here. I'm here to see y'all win. So I'd love to hear from you. Mandy, my absolute pleasure to have you on today. I so respect thank what you're you. doing. And you were just an awesome guest. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky dot coach. Thanks for listening.